All right. Well, welcome to Ministry Hangouts. Um, it's good to see you guys. I was just getting myself on the screen there. I saw that uh, we had Pastor Joe up, and he was, wasn't my ventriloquist right now, so uh, we wanted to get me on there. My name is Sean Wood. It's great to see you guys and to have you joining us uh, from Ministry Hangouts with Pastor Greg Surratt. You may be asking the great question because the name says with Pastor Greg Surratt is where is Pastor Greg Surratt? Well, right now, he is feverishly trying to find a good internet connection in Orlando, Florida from the Exponential Conference. So he should be joining us hopefully any moment. But until then, I'll just get us started with uh, just introducing some of our guests. Uh, we have got uh, James Gordon from the Docent Group. We've got Pastor Joe Champion uh, from Celebration Church in Austin. We've got Pastor Josh Surratt from Seacoast Church and Pastor Nelson Searcy from Journey Church. So just real quickly, uh, starting with Pastor Nelson, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your church, and uh, just uh, welcome the uh, Ministry Hangouts audience. Hey, thanks, Sean. Uh, great to be with everybody, and uh, great to be with this uh, group on the uh, Hangout here. Uh, I'm Nelson Searcy. I pastor the Journey Church. We have uh, several locations across New York City, including uh, the original one that I started back in 2002, and uh, then we have a couple of other campuses around in South Florida, California, places like that. And uh, uh, I'm excited to be on the Hangout. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Nelson. Hey, uh, Pastor Josh, I just noticed something uh, before you tell us is that Nelson does not have this on his bookshelf behind him. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, and then, and then we can see you right here on a book that Nelson needs on his bookshelf. Right. Yeah, he, he doesn't have that one, but I definitely have his on mine. That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, a big Nelson fan, but uh, my name is Josh Surratt. Uh, I am one of the teaching pastors at Seacoast, also oversee kind of our weekend experiences, uh, teaching calendar, um, uh, preaching schedule, some of that stuff, and I teach uh, an increasing amount of time, uh, doing about once a month right now uh, as a teaching pastor at Seacoast. As Greg uh, gets more and more involved in the ARC, I'm doing more and more of the teaching at Seacoast. I am Greg's son, and my mom does say that I'm a better communicator than my dad. So uh, that's about all I've got on the resume right now. I'm excited to be on with this group of guys and plan uh, on learning more than I share. But uh, thanks for joining us, and thanks for having me on the call. Awesome. Great to have you. And hey, if Debbie Surratt says it's, it's true, so uh, right. that's what I believe. Uh, so I'm taking Debbie's word over anybody's. Hey, uh, we got Pastor Joe Champion. Pastor Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself. And I'll warn everybody, too, that Pastor Joe's been having some uh, internet connections. As he told us, he lives in the country, so uh, he might go away while he's talking, but that's all right. He's going to share what he can while he's here. Very good. I'm Joe Champion. Uh, moved to Austin, Texas 12 years ago, started Celebration Church, my wife and three boys, and um, we've got a couple locations here in Austin, uh, part of the lead team of ARC and uh, spent most of my life in South Louisiana and various parts of the world. So Swamp People uh, influenced my preaching and my teaching and my lifestyle. There we go. And I have learned book. you were, oh, he's still got something here. <laughs> Make Room is my favorite book. <laughs> That's awesome. He's got it prepared and ready to go. All right, and then we've got James. Uh, glad to have you here. And tell us a little bit about yourself, but also about the Docent Group and what Docent does, because uh, I think that'll be interesting to some folks. Sure. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, my name is James Gordon. Uh, I'm a PhD student at Wheaton College outside of Chicago. Uh, and I've worked for the Docent Group for just over four years now. And what Docent is, is 
a full-service research agency. We contract researchers out to pastors of churches who need book summaries, help with planning, sermon series, demographics, and other sort of research. And we work with pastors to help them preach better and teach better. Awesome. Thank you, James, for being a part. And uh, for, for Glenn Lucky, who, uh, who runs the Docent Group, and just for, for all that you guys do, I know you've been a big help to us over at Freedom Church and uh, love you guys and what you do for churches and pastors. Hey, so uh, Ministry Hangouts, if you've never been on before, it's the second and fourth Wednesday uh, of every month. We just cover a topic in the church world. Um, that uh, we find interesting and gather some of Pastor Greg's friends around to discuss those topics. We've got some archived uh, topics at ministryhangouts.com. You can go back and watch those as well as we've got some great ones coming up that I'll tell you about at the end of the program um, today. But let's jump right in. Today we're talking about preaching. Um, let me just uh, kind of cover the, the first question about preaching uh, that we've got is when it comes to uh, basically um, how do you know what to preach? I mean, how do you track that? Um, how do you decide over a calendar year what you're going to preach, and what does that process look like? Let me throw to Pastor Nelson here first and just say, well, what does that look like for you as you're planning out your preaching schedule? How do you do that, and, and really how far ahead are you, all those kind of things? Well, Sean, thanks for giving me the easy question first. Uh, so uh, <laughs> great, I get to chime in. Uh, so uh, I appreciate that. My, my goal, my intended goal, is to uh, have my preaching calendar planned about a year in advance, at least when it comes to series and, and titles. So um, I basically have a, a, a three-pronged approach to that. Uh, number one, what is God saying to me uh, that I need to teach? So I think that's very important that uh, I hear from the Lord and what uh, God lays on my heart. Uh, number two, I'm privileged to have a, a teaching team, and so I gather a lot of input uh, from them. And then number three, uh, what are the needs uh, in our church? And so for us, uh, the preaching calendar uh, process starts in, in October of the previous year. So uh, this October, we'll start planning for next year, and that'll lead into a preaching calendar retreat. And a lot of time with God uh, prior to that goes into that retreat. Uh, a lot of gathering of data from uh, our small group leaders, from the prayer requests that we receive on Sunday, all of that goes into it. And our goal is to walk away with a pretty good skeleton of uh, what we're going to preach on over uh, the next year. And so that's kind of the genesis of our approach. That's great. Now, when you say a teaching team, um, is that made up of, or I guess instead of saying is that made up of, tell us who is that made up of? What, what, are the, what is the people that make that up as far as their role? Yeah, well, back in 2002, when it was just me and a uh, worship leader, you know, it was me and him and uh, a couple of lay people in our church. Uh, I had someone who was pretty good with the arts. I had a guy who watched a bunch of movies, and uh, I had a couple of people who uh, knew as much or more scripture than I did, and uh, that was the original team. Uh, today, it's primarily staff. Uh, today, it's uh, me and the teaching pastors from our other campuses, and uh, each of us have our own little areas of expertise, and uh you know, I'm fairly fortunate. I've got a PhD in New Testament on the team, and then I've got a guy who just came to Christ about four years ago uh, on the team, and so that's a pretty good mix to kind of set that group free. Awesome. Now, now uh, Pastor Josh, I know uh, from, you know, being in the culture at Seacoast for nearly uh, 11 years, uh, kind of a little bit, that you, you guys run very similar to that uh, in a teaching team approach, but a little bit different on how, how you work in planning out. Why don't you speak a little bit to how uh, in the context, like I, I, what I hear from uh, Pastor Nelson is planned out for a year, kind of know where they're going. And we know from 
uh, just, I know from following uh, Pastor Nelson that the, the systems and things that, that play into that, uh, just that really resonates with me. I, I kind of plan out that way. You guys are a little different and that, that's not exactly, exactly your style. Why don't you talk a little bit how it works at, at the Seacoast? Well, we've gotten a lot better since you left, Sean. I don't know what the missing link was, but um, no. Yeah, we're, we're a little bit different. You know, it's, it's funny because a lot of our creative team, which I lead the creative team, uh, I think we spent a lot of energy for the first couple of years trying to change Greg. Uh, and then we kind of finally realized that this is our culture and, and this is kind of how he rolls. We're pretty much, um, as far as the weekend messages go, we're, we're week on. On Monday morning, uh, Greg or whoever the teaching pastor is will spend some time um, working on that, that message a little bit, trying to get a little bit of an outline together. And then we meet as a team uh, that afternoon to really do a message planning meeting. So that's specific messages, and you may talk more about that later. But as far as the, the teaching calendar, um, for example, right now, we know what series we're in right now. Uh, we know the series that's coming after that, and we know what we're going to do next uh, October. Uh, and between that, there's still some questions and gaps, and we're still kind of wrestling through some of that. But we, similar to what Nelson said, though, it's, it's often what's God saying to us and then what are the things that we know, the issues people are dealing with? Uh, the way that we've kind of wrapped it right now is our series is going to are going to fit into one of three categories, uh, which kind of encompass the values of our church. The first one would be uh, missional zeal. So we did a series in December called 100,000 Gifts, and, uh, and it was all about reaching out into the community and being missional. Uh, it's going to be either, maybe it's about passionate worship, about a relationship with God. Uh, and we did a series on prayer at the beginning of this year, uh, we're going to do a series on generosity uh, in the next couple of months that deals with kind of our relationship with God. And then we have kind of the in, uh, we call it radical community, but the relationship with each other. And so typically, any one of our, our weekend series, uh, we're going to do a brief on it a couple of weeks or months in advance. And we're going to identify this is sort of where it fits. It's, uh, it's either dealing with our outward relationship with the world, our inward relationship with each other, or our upward relationship with God. And then we'll kind of build it out from there. But um, definitely a little bit more, more last minute. Although we have gotten a little bit, you know, uh, a little further out than, than maybe we were in the years past. But um, typically we're still a month or two out on series, and then a week out on messages. Awesome, and I love that the, the tracking it in those three categories. Pastor Joe, for you, you've heard kind of Nelson's flow and uh, Pastor Greg's flow a little bit, and, and I think that's huge as a as a preaching pastor. Uh, just the flow has to come out of, I mean, how you can prepare. And uh, Josh, I think you're right. Oftentimes we'll listen to a conference like this or something go, we've got to prepare that same way. Well, hopefully what we find is how we can use some of the tips and not have to be that person. Uh, but Pastor Joe, how do, how do you track how, what you're preaching on, um, kind of cover that and decide series stuff? Well, first of all, if it doesn't taste good to me, it's probably not going to taste good to the rest of the congregation. I think... <laughs> If you will, we are serving God's Word, which is God's food. It's our bread. We are to live by every word that has proceeded out of His mouth. And so I first have to come back to, you know, what is it that is speaking to me? Uh, and not always is the, the that is to be a message. Sometimes God speaks to us personally, but that doesn't mean it's translating into a series or to a, you know, to a, a message in itself. But... For me, I've got to feel it. I've got to taste it. It's got to be alive in me before we can have authority in the pulpit. It's got to be authority in our hearts. 
a lot of if you're not mis if you're not careful, you'll step up without a a true personal experience in the word that you're going to preach, and then you're just communicating uh, something like uh, a radio personality would be communicating a song on the next the next play. Uh, for me, we try to grab big pictures. I'm because I'm a feeler, uh, because I like to preach out of a burden. I try to uh, obviously to incorporate some, uh, you know, the creative elements, video elements, maybe whether it's a man on the street or some roll-ins. We try to give them a, at least a month out or two. Um, and then I fill in, I give them a big frame, but then I can pretty much go where I need to go uh, that particular week. And I'm, I'm usually preaching my first, to our satellites, I preach on Thursday to the... Uh, to the television, to the uh, video, which goes to our satellites, and then I'll re-preach it that weekend. Awesome. Some good stuff there. I hope you guys are taking notes. Um, and, and, and how uh, one of the things I hear out of all three that we've talked so far is just that the burden has to be there. In fact, Craig Rochelle said something today at Exponential that just I wrote down and, and, and has stuck with me as a church planner is that he felt like often in his early ministry he was designing sermon series about what would grow the crowd um, rather than what would grow the people. And I think sometimes, Pastor Joe, what you were just saying is that I mean, is sometimes when you've got to be feeding from what you've been fed and it is what God has given to you to, to tell the people. But now, yeah. how, how for, for you, James, and the docent group, you guys come alongside, I know for, in your particular context with the churches you serve, some rather large churches, but you guys come under smaller churches, uh, urban churches, rural churches. You guys serve all kinds of churches. So what do you hear from Glenn and from the rest of the docent team um, about how you help churches do this? And maybe what have you seen with series development in the churches that you serve? Sure. Well, one of the things that we try to do is to come alongside of pastors who know what they want to teach on, who have a specific vision for what they want to communicate, but may not know where to go uh, to look for resources to help them in their preparation, or they may not have access to it. Um, I'm at Wheaton College, so I have access to a library with uh, over a million resources, 370,000 of which are books. And we also have access to libraries across the nation to have them ship books to us. So what we can do with pastors is sit down and, and think through where they're going. And me, as someone who is studying theology, I can help point them in, in the right direction um, for where to look for resources, and then they can get back with me with questions and, and other is issues that I'll research for them. And basically, it streams, streamlines their process of preparing sermons, preparing to, to preach and teach in a way that we can spend 10 hours researching a topic for them that they can then read our research in an hour or two and prepare their sermon on the basis of that rather than wasting a day of the week just trying to figure out where to go in the large uh, realm of resources that are available. Great. And there are there are so many resources available now, I think, to uh, pastors, to uh, whether it be a research team or whether it be Logos or, uh, you know, just a Bible uh, software that a Bible a study Bible we have. Uh, another resource that's available is something that I, I believe uh, all, all of the pastors here said is kind of, tapping into the soul of the people and what, what God has kind of put on your heart as a pastor, their, their needs and where they need to grow. Josh, I know one thing that uh, you guys did at Seacoast um, 
several years ago was using your response time in the crosses to develop a whole series. I don't know if you remember that or not, but yeah. tell, tell a little bit about that and maybe even how that same type of thinking goes into as you guys are developing a series, kind of listening to the heart of your people and, and seeing where, what God is pointing you to in that direction. Yeah, that's, that's great. What we do, we do a response time at the end of our service uh, where people are going to the crosses and going for prayer, candles, communion. Uh, it's kind of an organized chaos, people moving all throughout the, the services. But one of the things that we did early on is we, and we still do, we gather everything off of the crosses and we pray over them. And sometimes it's, it's typically issues of repentance uh, of sin. And so we did a series called Seacoast Exposed. Uh, and we just took, uh, had some people categorize what are the top six things that uh, people are dealing with on the crosses. And so out of that, it was interesting. It lined up pretty much identical with uh, the in nature and just one of the ways that we apply Nelson saying in tune of where are people, what issues are people dealing with that the Bible speaks to uh, and for us that's just a real practical way to get that information uh, and then, then we can do a series to address biblically what, uh, what people are dealing with and we're doing a similar thing right now, we're doing a series called White Flag uh, which is out of Ephesians chapter 4 um, uh, specifically the second half of that where the scripture talks about unity and some things that we need to stop doing as a church if we're going to experience unity and so we're doing uh, a series called White Flag and we're talking about issues like anger, um, lying, um, gossip, uh, unwholesome talk and so um, again it's, it's, it's a great tool for us, the crosses and then you of course connect cards and counseling appointments and uh, but just being aware of what people are dealing with, what the issues are, and, and then addressing them from Scripture. That's great. And for a second there, Josh, you sounded like Max Hedrum. So I'll, I'll say what I think you were saying here, and that is that everything lined up uh, to the seven deadly sins when, when they were pulled off the cross. And so it kind of tied into a great series to allow to preach on those and then to, to dip in. Um, uh, Pastor Nelson, how do you guys find that you're able to, to kind of – how do you all gauge the pulse uh, at Journey – of, of what's going on with the people? How do you find that you hear uh, feedback to note that influences your preaching and as your team is developing that schedule of what's going to be preached on? Yeah, the larger your church grows, the harder it is to gather this feedback. You know, uh, in the early days, if there's 80 people, you know all 80 and you hear their stories. And so as a church grows, you have to develop these formal and informal uh, modes of communication, sort of a positive grapevine, uh, if you will. And so uh, certainly our staff uh, is a part of that, and sometimes they uh, have a, a lot of interaction uh, with people. And then uh, beyond that, uh, our small group leaders. You know, one of the things we do in preparing our preaching calendar or working on a teaching series is we go to our small group leaders and say, here's the subjects we're going to approach. What uh, questions have come up in your prayer request time and leading your small groups that might uh, fit in? And we can get a lot of good information from our uh, group leaders, but from a big data uh, idea, every week we have all of these connection cards. And uh, in our culture, the way people share prayer requests is primarily through the connection cards. And uh, we made a decision that at first I was uh, wondering if we could uh, handle, and that is to track every prayer request every week. 
Now, we prayed for every prayer request every week, but a lot of times uh, I would pray for those requests, or our staff would pray, and then we would file the cards away. Uh, today, we literally enter those prayer requests uh, into a system. And uh, I remember one series I was doing on temptation, and so I had someone go through what was probably uh, fifteen to 20,000 prayer requests, and uh, they built a word cloud. Uh, you know, you've seen these uh, word clouds like someone would have on their blog of the number one words that come up. And uh, we looked at it primarily through the lens of temptation, and it was really interesting. And uh, you talked about the seven deadly sins. We did a, a series on the seven deadly sins uh, as well because of that. But that gives you tremendous insight. And a lot of times, I'm surprised. Uh, I'll tell you just one story about uh, being surprised. Um, I often will rotate a series back and forth between what I call uh, Love the Lord Your God series, which is a, uh, a vertical series, and a Love Your Neighbor as Yourself series, which is a horizontal series. And so I go back and forth a lot of times from a vertical series to a horizontal series. And it was time to do a horizontal series. And uh, I really felt compelled to do a four-part series on divorce. And I uh, felt like that was something God was leading me to do. It was going to be a stretch for me to do, but I thought we should do it. But when we really dug into the prayer request, what we found was even though divorce was the prayer request, we found there were much deeper issues behind that. And so instead of dealing with divorce head on, we backed up and looked at some of those behind the scenes issues uh, that people were talking about. And that was, that was really insightful uh, because there's what people want you to pray for, and then there's the decisions or bad decisions in this case they made that led to uh, that prayer request. And so sometimes I, I'm very surprised at uh, the approach we need to take so that we can best help people uh, fully honor God with their lives. That's great. And the biggest learning for me from that is is that we're listening to God. We're, we're saying, okay, what is God leading me to? But we're also supplementing that with systems that help us to kind of hear from a larger crowd. And, and I, I think you're, you're right, in the smaller context, it's, it's easier. And then that breaks pretty quickly. Of You know, for us, I know early on in the church plan, I knew everybody knew what was going on. And we're only 18 months in now. And you know, I can't keep up with what's going on in, in everyone's lives. And so having a system is so important. Um, also having that system to kind of know what you've preached on. And I've heard so far at least two methodologies that go back and forth, either in three buckets or two buckets like Pastor Nelson, but going back and forth to make sure we're not constantly talking about the upward relationship with God only and not talking about our vertical relationship or our outward or inward, as, as Josh would put it. I think that that's some huge learnings that we can take if you're taking notes is that having systems in place that, that help us. We need to hear from God, but we also have systems that can supplement that. Um, Pastor Joe, what does a week look like for you? You're, you're, you're starting your week. Um, you're getting ready to preach on a on a Saturday and Sunday would be for you uh, in your context. Uh, what does the average week look like for you as you're preparing different meetings you'll do, time you set aside? How does that look for Pastor Joe Champion? Well, on um, Mondays, typically after a Sunday, um, I'm at the house and, and I start reading. I'm always, I think we all have to agree that we all are constantly feeding. And we're not just feeding from the standpoint of getting the next message. We're, we're reading. I get our, our best thoughts, our most our creative I guess, series or anything that's ever good usually doesn't come because we planned it. It's, it's because it was a, a spontaneous uh, scripture that came to us while we were just simply worshiping 
Uh, I think the greatest act of worship that the Christian can do is not just singing, but it's reading the Word. And it is, it is in that act of worship on Mondays for me. Uh, I'll listen to different pastors, not a ton, but I'll listen to different friends among art guys and outside of our, our world as well. Uh, on Tuesday in the office, I meet with our creative team about the, uh, the week that's coming ahead or planning out what's going to be taking place in the future. Uh, what needs to be from a video element or what needs to be done by from a creative standpoint. Um, that's all day. And then on Wednesdays, I'm back uh, typically writing out uh, and kind of filling in all of the, the blanks, if you will, because I'm going to record it at typically 4 o'clock on Thursday. So I spend Wednesday, Thursday uh, heavily in, uh, in writing and in writing. Uh, you know, crafting out what we're going to be saying so that at four o'clock when we go video live, uh, it's ready because that's that's then going to be immediately taken to the campuses and they'll show that Sunday morning. It allows me, I like to video and I like to pre-record that for Sunday because I'm only talking to whatever staff is in the room. There may be, you know, 15 people there, but I like the idea that I'm looking at that camera, talking to that Sunday morning crowd, as opposed to running over the video on that morning. It's you may have some technical issues, like we did this past Sunday, uh, or I lose the I lose the audience at the campuses because I'm I'm beginning to talk to the live. Uh, so that would be typical uh, week for me. Um, you know, let me just inject a thought. You know, Christ did not come to give us a Bible. He came to give us the gospel. The Bible supports the gospel. So, you know, we, we want to make sure that we are absolutely bringing it down to the uh, connection and the experience that they can have with the man, Christ Jesus, of course, who is, who is God. But we're also trying to create a hunger for the Bible. I think that if we're not careful, as pastors, I know for this, the greatest thing I can do for my people is to get them to be hungry for their own Bible. Um, so if we don't create a hunger, because you know today the greatest problem we all have as communicators and pastors is people are not as interested in the Bible as they were 50 years ago. Uh, we've got a group of, you know, we've got a society that says, okay, we're going to show up and you just tell us what we're supposed to think, tell us what we're supposed to feel, give me a good felt need series. And then if they don't go to their Bible during the week, so I think we're not just to try to give information and application and academic and, and the context of the Scripture and all of that, but, boy, we've got to create it in such a way that they will be interested, like we're interested in reading the Bible, before we even became preachers. So um, we, we need to create that interest in the Scriptures. That's a great, great word. In fact, I saw uh, two weeks ago, I believe it was, a statistic that came out, uh, that it's about seven, according to the statistics, about 700 people a day are, are stopping reading their Bible from what they could gather. And I think it was 25% less people uh, in the last decade consider themselves even casual readers of the Bible. Um, what does that look like, I guess, uh, from, a, from a research standpoint, James, as you're helping pastors research and you're, you're trying to supplement what they're doing, uh, what does that look like as far as, I mean, we can't anymore say, 
hey, that's about David, and you you know who who he is, or hey, that's in the book of Job. You know, and most of them think it's Jobs. They, they have no idea that it's the book of Job, and it's probably about Steve or something. You know, so I mean, it's there's a biblical illiteracy, and yet James, you guys are coming from a very academic research. Uh, so how do you help pastors go from what is very academic in its research? And uh, Pastor Nelson, you said you have a PhD that sits with you and your in your team to help with that research. And what are you doing to help pastors take that to the connective tissue of all of that that kind of keeps it all together but gives them in their language and gives them that hunger for uh, Scripture that Luke chapter 6 in the Blessed Statements would talk about, a hunger for righteousness, a hunger for Scripture that Pastor Joe would talk about. What, what are you guys seeing and changes for that, and how are you helping with that, James? Sure. Thanks, Sean. Well, one of the biggest things that's great about Docent is that we're very flexible. So while there are certain researchers that we have on staff that are very strong in biblical languages, Hebrew and Greek, uh, we also have people on staff who are either sociologists who know where to look for statistics that bring the research that we're doing from the scriptures down to, as you use the word, connective tissue to make it connect in some way with the people that the message is going for. Other ways that we do that is we have certain people who specialize in writing great illustrations. So for me, I'm not, uh, that's not my strong point. So when pastors want really good stories or, or unique illustrations, we have people that are really up on contemporary events and are researching these things who can take the message of a sermon and just gesture in different ways that pastors could make these ideals that we find in scripture actually connect with people in their audiences. So you use the word connective tissue, and I think that's the best way to describe what docent researchers are trying to do is to take what the pastor wants to do to understand the audience and to provide that connective tissue that he otherwise may not have access to in a way that is very high level, but also that reaches the people in a way that, um, is helpful for them. Great. Awesome. And so uh, helping pastors get to that point uh, is, is part of what you guys do and part of what the teams do for like uh, Pastor Nelson and others as well, just trying to, trying to take things and, and get them to where they hunger for the Word. Uh, Pastor Nelson, what does your typical week look like as far as your preparation time and what goes into that? And you know, what's starting on Monday? What are you starting with on Monday and that kind of thing? Yeah, well, thanks, Sean. Uh, I would actually like to back up. My general week starts on Sunday. Um, even though we have Sunday night uh, services, which are actually encore services from what we did that morning, same sermon, uh, instead of Saturday night, we have Sunday night, that kind of thing. But I find Sunday afternoon to be a, a real critical time for me to start thinking about the next week. And uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, I'm already thinking about what I just preached on. And so it's a nice time for me to start building the outline. And in an ideal world, and I don't live in that world, but in an ideal world, if I can uh, get a pretty good start on the outline uh, on Sunday afternoon for the following Sunday, uh, I'm setting myself up pretty good uh, for the week. But uh, so I start on Sunday, and then uh, most of Monday actually is spent in meetings or in debriefing the previous week. And uh, we have a real evaluatory culture uh, where we're evaluating uh, Sunday. Uh, not only in a big picture kind of way and from a worship kind of way, but also the teaching team uh, is giving evaluation about what uh, connected, what didn't connect, what we left out, what we need to add in. And so uh, Monday is oftentimes spent on evaluation. Uh, Tuesday is when uh, is my hard self-imposed deadline to have the outline done. And uh, I'm an outliner, and so the outline comes first. Um, 
that's not the first step in the process, but as far as the week to week goes, uh, I want to have the outline done by Tuesday. In an ideal world, uh, I would have the manuscript, the first draft of the manuscript done uh, by Wednesday. And then Wednesday, we do what we call a talk through, uh, which is similar to what we're doing here with our, our campus pastors. Uh, I talk through how we're going to open the message, close the message, what the next steps are for the message. Uh, every message that we do, we wanted to have four specific next steps, uh, one of which is always a, a scripture to memorize. And so we talk about that and we try to finalize that on Wednesday. And uh, then Thursday's crunch day. Uh, I do uh, pretty much a full run through is what we call it. I suppose dress rehearsal or uh, even a video shoot. I mean, it could be literally the message uh, that we're going to do uh, on Thursday. And uh, sometimes we video that as a backup for the weekend. Uh, other times it's uh, just more of a, a run through, but it's exactly like we're going to do it on Sunday uh, when it comes to the message. And then immediately after that run through, we get feedback. Sometimes there's a second recording or a second uh, run through. And then uh, hopefully by Thursday afternoon, I put the message to bed and uh, I let it stew. I let it diesel. And uh, on the uh, next day that I've got to teach the message, uh, when I wake up that morning, if I can go over that message in my head, the major moves, maybe not every single idea, but if I can go over that major moves in my head, I feel pretty good about it. But uh, you know, I fell into this trap for years of making the first service, the trial service, and uh, that's very stressful, and uh, it's probably hard on your people. So I've tried to make the first service now on Thursday, and I do it in front of a smaller group of people who really love me and care about me and maybe aren't as lost as my usual crowd, although I'm teaching to my staff, so we can't make that uh, uh, suggestion. But anyway, then to get that feedback. And so that's how the week unfolds. That's great, and and little anecdotal story here. I, I um, Josh can speak to the Thursday run through because we do that at, or they do that at Seacoast as well. Um, they could be called the Sean run through, and the reason is is because one Saturday night, uh, Pastor Nelson, I came off the stage, um, I walked back into the green room, I, I looked at Pastor Greg who was in the green room and went that was terrible. That was just awful. Like it was really, really bad. And so that Saturday night, uh, Pastor Greg and I spent uh, probably two or three hours together just reworking, working through some stuff. I actually, Pastor Joe will appreciate this. I know what you feel about blanks is I just hate filling the blanks. I don't like them because they trap me into stuff and that's what I, I was trapped into it. So I was feeling really trapped in that. And Pastor Greg said, just crumble them up, throw them at the crowd when you come out on Sunday and go, so we redid this whole thing. You're getting a bonus. But we decided after that Saturday night, we said, you know what? We should probably not have Saturday night as a run-through. We should probably do a different time as a run-through. And we started Thursday run-throughs. And it's, I mean, it's, it's not a fun process necessarily. It's a great process. But we, we, I know at Seacoast, they still do it Thursdays, preaching to about 8 to 12 people in a full, in the auditorium with the mic, show the videos, the whole deal. But boy, does it make you sleep better on Friday and Saturday. So I, I recommend that. I do that in my office now. I preach to a blank whiteboard, but I actually I stand up. I preach my whole message um, so that I know if something just lands flat, if it doesn't work out well. Um, and so that, that's something that we learned at Seacoast the hard way, and me personally really learned the hard way. Um, Josh, how about for you? What, what, anything different that you would add about a, your week and what it looks like than what you've heard? Well, yeah, we call our run-through waterboarding is what we call it because it's it's our version of torture it's it's not fun but we um so typically we'll have a meeting on Monday at 1:30 in the afternoon and and that's with uh, some of the it's it's our creative team it is 
anyone who's a teaching pastor is in that meeting. We also bring some people from the, the video team and then just some different people. We, we try to, uh, we actually profile for that meeting. We want to have some women in the room. We want to have some singles in the room. We want to have some marrieds in the room. So we try to make sure we have a, a group of people that will reflect different um, life experiences and, and are going to see applications of the scriptures in different different seasons of life. So uh, we do that on one uh, on Mondays, and our goal on that meeting is to come out with an outline. And so we'll spend a lot of time in that meeting wordsmithing the, the, the points of the message. We'll wrestle back and forth, spend sometimes 20, 30 minutes on, on wording of the points. Um, and then we'll also look at... Um, Look at some different illustrations. We uh, we kind of follow a modified Andy Stanley's communication for the change for a change. If I'm sure many of you have read that, but um, where you you open with an illustration, then you kind of bring people in with applying it to their lives. Then you look at what does God's word say about that, and then you look at application, and then you look at um, kind of what if we all did this together. So we sort of try to follow that, and we'll wrestle down each each of those uh, aspects during the message planning meeting on Monday. And then on Tuesday mornings, Wednesday mornings, and Thursday mornings, for whoever's teaching, uh, there are no meetings scheduled. That time is spent studying, developing the message. And then we have a deadline on Thursday at noon is when we turn outline in to go to print because we do preach off of an outline. Uh, and so we have uh, teams at all of our campuses that stuff our bulletins or worship guides on Thursdays at 2 and so we send that into print uh, at noon and they get them printed out and are ready to stuff at 2 and then we do the run through on um, on Thursday at 2 and then one thing that I do less now that we do the run through uh, I've never really heard pastors publicly acknowledge this but I do it I'll, I'll admit it to everybody watching uh, is I'll, I'll usually have one more run through with my wife uh, between the time I do the run through on Thursday and the time I do it on Saturday uh, evening for our first service, and she likes that we do the run-through, because now that we do the run-through, she has to hear it less than she did before that, um, but but we'll usually usually bounce it off of her, and, and she just brings some great perspective, and we'll often have a, a cool illustration or idea, or say, hey, please don't say that, um, which I need a lot when I'm teaching, that, that voice of reason to say, don't, don't use that illustration, um, but we take a Sabbath on Friday, and so... Um, Typically, we'll not even touch it, won't pick it up. We'll pick it back up on Saturday. Uh, our first service is at 6. Usually pick the message back up around 3.30 or 4 uh, just to start meditating on it and going back over it and making sure we're ready to go for the weekend. Great deal. And Okay, so Pastor Joe, I've got a question for you. Um, you you've preached, and, I, and you've preached a sermon. You've developed it. You've gotten it to where you want it. And you know, like I did on that Saturday night, you walk away going, that thing just did not land. The plane never took off. It just didn't happen. What does that process look like? Because I know if there's preachers watching, they're going to experience that at some point, or either they have experienced it and they just don't know it because they don't have anyone in their life that can tell them, hey, you don't look good in biker shorts. So you need somebody that can tell you after your sermon, that wasn't any good. Let's work on that. But Pastor Joe, what is your process for evaluation? Uh, and then how do you fix those? Because you're going to run into that at some point as a, yeah. as a preacher, which just doesn't land. How do you fix those and not put the rest of the services through uh, what that what happened there? Well, again, you know, like you just said, you've got people around you. Josh was saying that, and they may come back and go, okay, we're lacking an illustration. We're lacking 
something motivational. We're lacking that scripture uh, application that could be memorized. So, you know, every great golfer would have three or four coaches around him. They're videoing, they're listening, they're making him watch that swing. And, uh, of course, a lot of times you can walk off going, that was absolutely the worst. You know, there's two things that will make a make somebody want to preach. When you hear somebody who can preach and when you hear somebody who cannot preach. And, you know, we've walked away with some services going, wow, I would, that is just so horrible. But it, it's the team coming around, and Josh was right. My wife is fifth generation uh, pastor's kid on both sides of her, on her family. So uh, she is just rich with generations of preachers, and she is the one usually the first one to meet me to say this is what's lacking, this is where it did not go or connect. For me, uh, I need I need some illustration help. I'm like James. I, I could pretty much just stick with the stories of the Scripture. I feel like it's interesting enough. I feel like if we're not careful, we entertain, we over-entertain our listeners away from the Bible, and instead of letting them find the incredible richness of what's entertaining in the Bible itself, but I can I can drop a uh, I, I need to add an illustration I need I need to add more of that but the team are, are they're faithful and I tell them I said guys you're not hired to tell me if it's you know if you like it you're you're hired to get in my business you're hired to get into my grill I do not want to hear you say to me oh that was beautiful at the risk of losing your job I got to have you say we wouldn't use the word suck. It's a cuss word in South. But if you if you think it sucks, say it sucks. Please tell me. Um, so that's, you know, we're probably, I'm not as, uh, having graduated from LSU, my seminary, uh, I've had a lot of, you know, various education, and but probably not to the level of, of Nelson and, and James. I know I haven't. So we're probably a little bit more on the fly, a little bit more, uh, mom and pop when it comes to the word uh, probably I need to do better as a team getting more people involved in the team so starts with my wife and then it goes downhill from there that's great and I know, I know for me Connie is a great sounding board as well and helps me work through and she especially Josh helps me with the do not say that or else I'm sitting on the back row from now on if you say that in this service. So she helps me with that and, and kind of kind of uh, does that. Hey, let's get to um, a couple of things that I, I want to speak to. Real quick, I'm going to just go through the whole panel. What do you end up with? And just tell me quick, manuscript or notes? Do you preach from notes, just an outline, or is it manuscript? Nelson, how about you? Uh, manuscript. Manuscript. Josh and you guys? Manuscript. Manuscript. Pastor Joe, how about you? Used to be manuscript. It's more of outlines now. More outline now. Okay. I've developed yeah, twenty five years. It's it, it's I'm not as wordy. I don't write out every word like I used to. Cool. And see for me it's manuscript. I, I, I'm a writer by nature, so I, I actually write a chapter to a book basically, then I go back and outline it. So I'm opposite of you Nels. I can't outline first. It doesn't make sense to me to outline first. I have to write first. So I, I would say that to, to everyone, just that find that method that, that works for you. And um I, I think for the younger guys, what what I have found is the more I write out, the better. Um, when I get as wise as Pastor Joe, I'll probably stop writing out. But I know if I don't write out my humor, my humor will come from the hip, 
and usually that comes from back when I wasn't saved and I used to listen to Eddie Murphy raw and things like that. So I have to really filter that by writing out as much as possible. Um, and that's just a good, uh, good place. Hang to on just a minute, Sean. I, I want to tweet that. Can I tweet that about Eddie Murphy? Just can I? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and Josh still listens to Eddie Murphy. I know it. I know he does. <laughs> I think he's wearing the red pants right now. To tell you the truth, <laughs> that's right. Hey, um, let's get to tips. Like some tips, places that you that you go, your go-to places. And uh, we all know scripture. We're all. We we are all holy, so we know the Bible. But after that, where are you going to find inspiration, research, that kind of things? Let's start with start with the king of research. What's your two or three top favorite places to go besides the Wheaton Library, James? Sure. Well, at, at risk of giving you all my secrets and not having a job anymore, uh, let me say that there, there are two resources I think that are especially helpful for pastors. Um, Don Carson, who's a professor at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, he wrote, what's called a New Testament commentary survey. And what he does is the guy who reads basically every commentary on every book of the Bible written at an incredible rate and summarizes what their highs and lows are, what they're useful for, and then at the end of the book he offers a list of recommended commentaries for every book of the New Testament. And there's a similar book on the Old Testament that does the same thing by Tremper Longman. So that's super useful for pastors that may search for a Philippians commentary on Amazon and come up with 50 recommendations that they have no idea where to go for a reliable commentary. Don Carson's uh, New Testament commentary survey is a great way to be judicious about purchasing commentaries. And the second resource that I use almost weekly is called the New Dictionary of Biblical Theology. It's a, it's a resource put out by InterVarsity Press, and it has dictionary articles on every major topic in scripture that we see traced from creation through the fall in redemption in Christ and then in consummation. So I recommend that resource to pastors very often for looking up any topic they may be interested on and seeing what the whole scriptures teach about that one topic and how it develops over time and finds its, uh, finds its relationship to Jesus Christ. So the New Testament commentary survey and the new dictionary of biblical theology are invaluable for me. Awesome. How about you, Josh? Besides just watching what Pastor Joe preached last weekend and just ripping that off, uh, what are you, what are your best? What's your best stuff? Uh, giving away my tip. That's 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 pretty much it for me. Um, no, I I have not heard of either of these these resources that James mentioned, so I'm excited about that. My deal is, um, I think I have it easier because I'm speaking once every month, once every two, three weeks, and so I'll typically, depending on the topic or the passage, go to a, a book, books written on that, but um, listen to guys like Joe, um, guys like Pastor Stovall and The Ark, uh, just some great resources that I'll listen to from time to time when I'm working out, running, some of that, and this will sound silly, but um, I love late night TV, um, and I think I got this tip from Greg, and I know he used to watch David Letterman all the time. Uh, and so I actually do listen to and watch watch some of those guys because I just think that in terms of understanding what's going on in culture and what some of the humor stuff that's happening, uh, I, I feel like I learn from those. I'm not taking notes on my message while I'm listening to them, but I think it just kind of gets gets some of that stuff uh, in me. But um, but that's that's pretty much it. Um, Docent, uh, we used to use Docent a lot, and then we hired one of their guys um, who's on our staff now and who helps us with just some. Uh, every now and then we'll go. Hey, can you can you research back for me 
what was going on with the king of Israel during this time or, you know, whatever that might be and, and will will help us with some of that research. So uh, highly recommend Docent. Those guys are amazing. Awesome. How about you, Pastor Joe? What's uh, some useful tips to the or help uh, sites or websites or books that you would give to people out there? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, of course, before the Internet really became the go-to and uh, I, I'd bought all the books. So, you know, Biblical Illustrator, Pulpit Commentary, Alexander McLaurin would be three. Um, Alexander McLaurin is a preacher, so they've taken his and kind of, you know, they've taken it verse by verse, but uh, put his messages in there. I like to read guys' messages, but the Pulpit and Biblical Illustrators are too good. Jameson Fawcett Brown is a line-by-line. -line. Uh, I, I enjoy reading and, and studying from there. You, of course, you've got the you know the lexicons, uh, a lot of Strong and Brown, Driver Briggs uh, for words, and um, you know there's online there's just a ton of the you, know, you just go to Strong's Concordance and there's a website that'll pop up and you punch in your word and then you can look out the dictionaries, you can look or look up the meanings in both Hebrew or Greek, whichever, and then um, gives you about eight or nine different commentaries. Um, from there, so uh, and then there's a guy, T. Austin Sparks, who died in 1971 from London. He's influenced me a lot. They've just kind of compiled his messages, and so I like to I like to read. I like to read from preachers, you know, as well. That's great, and that's a. I think that right there is a great tip. Is that. Uh, we need to study all kinds of things, but preachers know how to preach. And so when we study preachers, I mean, I know for me, I have a steady diet of, uh, of guys that I, that I watch on a regular uh, basis, and some I just kind of dip into every now and then. I know, and this is not just because you're on the call. We were doing a series called Evolution coming up, and, uh, and then I, I Googled a couple things, and I came to Pastor Nelson, a series you had done, I believe, in First Corinthians, and you were talking about love, and it just – it. It, it just kind of set it up for me that I, I was being fed in the same topic, even though we were going not romantic love with that. We were going a little bit different case, but it just it just kind of fed me, so I was ready to be fed on that. And So what about you, Pastor Nelson? What are some areas that you uh, could, would give to guys as some tips out there to help with research and preparation? Yeah, well, these have been great tips. I learned some new ones here just uh, listening to the guys. And uh, I mean, I often say if Greg and Josh would uh, preach better sermons, I'd preach better sermons. I just wait and download it on Tuesday uh, from their website. Uh, my general rule on listening to other preachers is uh, I like to read a lot of other uh, sermons too. I appreciate the lead on Sparks here. I wasn't aware of that one. I like to read a lot of what other preachers say. And uh, that's one of the advantages, in my opinion, of the preaching calendar. Uh, if I know what I'm doing two, three, four months ahead of time, uh, I can begin to gather all of that. And uh, a lot of that's available online. A lot of that's available uh, in books. And uh, I just keep an ongoing file. Uh, literally used to be like a file, uh, like a bucket file kind of thing that you carry around. Today it's so easy uh, to just archive that with uh, Evernote and uh, other tools that you can use. Uh, I use Google Alerts. Uh, if there's some topic that I'm particularly interested in, you have to be a little careful with that. You have to be uh, sensitive about that because it'll just pull anything. You know, I was doing a series on temptation uh, earlier this year, and I had a Google alert set for temptation, and I realized that's a little bit broad uh, because what Google alerts will do is it'll search uh, everything around that topic, and you get some good stuff, but you have to focus that in 
just a little bit more, but uh, uh, that's really helpful. And uh, I'm a I'm a believer in a lot of inputs are necessary for the output that we're called uh, to deliver. And you know, preaching 40 to 42 weeks a year is a lot of output, so you've got to have a lot of input. Uh, I don't have a whole lot else to add except I'll, I'll say this: there are a lot of preachers I like to listen to just because they feed me. And uh, their style is very, very different than, say, my teaching style, but they feed me. But what I have to do is I have to be intentional about listening to people who have a similar style to me so that I can be a better teacher. So my general rule is, as a learner, as a student of teaching, I want to find some folks out there who are 75 70% of the same style that I am, and I find those are the ones that I can learn from when it comes to my pulpit ministry, even though uh, I may have other people that I like better who just sort of feed my soul, if you will. So I kind of have that 70% rule of who I listen to. That is, that is great. Is that, I mean, I remember early on in my preaching, I would get uh, some like Judah Smith. You know, I'd watch Judah Smith and go, I got to do that. And then I realized he's LeBron. Like, I can't do that. Like, I can't do what Judah does. But I would try to or want to be Judah. And so I think that's a great tip to find people that – you, you sort of resonate with and that, that are more like your style. So I, I'm taking that. Uh, that's a great thing to, to learn. Let me, let me come back to you, Nelson, on our last segment. Our last segment here is um, we'll go through everybody so you can be thinking, but is, is your it? Like what's that one book, that one resource, that one conference coming up, that one idea that just won't get away? What's the one thing you just want to share? It doesn't have to be on preaching. Uh, it could be on anything that, that it's just something that right now it's your it. And this is your chance for all of you to uh, shamelessly self-promote if you want to. Any resources you have, conferences coming up as well. So uh, we'll close by just going through the line with that. Uh, Nelson, what's your it right now? Oh, man, I feel really bad. I have no it. Uh, I think my it has, has left the building. Uh, yeah, I, I think on the preaching, uh, the, the key word for me is evaluation. Uh, I am not a natural speaker. You know, I'm a kid that had a speech impediment uh, up until age 15 that was uh, horrible. I worked to overcome that. Uh, I started public speaking before I was uh, even a Christian. And so today, even speaking is, is a battle. And so the evaluation, you know, we think that the more we preach, the better we're going to get. That's not true. If that was true, those of us who have been preaching the longest would be the best. And so it's really not about experience. It's about evaluated experience. And so uh, on the topic of preaching, if I had to give an it, it's uh, watching yourself, recording yourself, getting good input, whether it's from your spouse or a group of folks like we have on the panel uh, here today who can give you some great input. That's how you get better. And I'm not going to get 100% better as a preacher next Sunday, but I could get 1% better. And if I do that this Sunday and next Sunday over the next two years, I could get 100% better. And the, the truth is, and I'm a church growth guy, as most of you know, the truth is there is a connection between the growth of your church and the quality of the pulpit. And a quality can be a very broad term in the sense, that I mean it to be broad, but there is a connection with that. So keep working on your preaching and, uh, and learn. And that's why I appreciate all the folks who have been uh, on, this, uh, on this hangout with us. Now, you know, shameless promotion. I mean, those who know me, I don't like to promote anything. I don't, I don't ever send out emails or write books or promote networks or offer resources. But, uh, you know, <laughs> hey, uh, very good there. That's a nice-looking book. Uh, but uh, for me, having a group of people that I'm around, uh, somebody told me one time that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. 
And so I want to intentionally put myself around people who uh, are going to stretch me and grow me. And uh, I do my best to try uh, to avoid running with the easy crowd. Uh, I want to run with a crowd that's going to pull me up. Now, for me, that's my Renegade Pastors Network and uh, those who are part of that. But then even outside of the Renegade Pastors Network, it's putting myself around people who can make me better and uh, can pull me up to this higher standard because I will fall back into uh, easy. Uh, I will fall back into average. Uh, it, it comes so naturally sinful to me. And so uh, I want to be pulled up. And uh, hopefully in, in some ways uh, I've helped pull you up for being on this uh, call with us today. And I appreciate what everybody else has shared. And I have my notes and you certainly pulled me up today. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Nelson. Uh, Josh, what's your uh, thing that, that you're reading right now or learning? It's, it's Connect and Rocked. These two books by um, Joe Champion and Nelson Searcy, just amazing. No, I, I have read them and, and have learned a ton from both of those guys. But one of the things that we're doing, and, and I don't think it's self-promotion because it's actually um, it's Greg here, but you, you already put up the DNA of, or the Make Room series. This is DNA of Joy. Uh, we've just found, I, I think, really landed on experiencing mm -hmm. the power of aligning your uh, teaching with your small groups with what the, the people are talking about during the weekend or dur during the week and, and aligning that together every now and then. We're trying to do it about twice a year. And um, so as we're doing it on our own uh, and creating resources, um, we're, we're going to make them available as well. So seacoastresources.com uh, is a place where we've got uh, two series now are up, DNA of Joy, which is a study through the book of Philippians, six-week study, and uh, we've got the the DVDs uh, that you would use in your small groups, small group curriculum, and then we also have the message transcripts from when we did that series uh, at, at Seacoast, as well as Make Room, uh, which is another series we did, which is actually a, a six-week series on the the, the Shemanite woman from Second Kings chapter four, um, and so talking about how you can't make God move, but you can make room for God to move in your life, and so uh, those are two of the specific resources. But we're just um, We've seen our small group participation go from about 30%, which is embarrassing, um, up to 61%, uh, which is where it's at right now. And, and we, we're going to continue to build on that as we continue to uh, build the leadership infrastructure, which is obviously the most important piece of it. But then also we've just found having those tools available to your leaders uh, generates excitement about that, gets more people into the game, and, um, and gives them just a resource that they feel confident in being able to to lead and facilitate a group with. So seacoastresources.org um, is the, the site, and uh, just encourage you guys to check that out if, if any of those resources would be, be beneficial. We'll keep adding to it as we add stuff uh, that we use here at our church. Awesome. Thank you, Josh. How about you, Pastor Joe? What's your it right now? Well, I bought glasses to look academic like Brother James and Nelson, uh, so I think that's number one. They are real, though. Um, I, I agree with Nelson. I, you know, the the I think Christianity rises and falls on preachers. I think it rises and falls on the on the gospel that we preach. And uh, you know, we we talk about Moses being a stutterer, but Stephen says something very interesting uh, in Acts chapter seven. He says about Moses, he was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians. He was a man of power in words and in deeds. And that's in verse 22. I think 
I think Moses was a better preacher than we think he was. He was mighty in words. That joker, I, in my opinion, just brought up an excuse so that he would try to get away from the calling of God. Um, David was found while being skilled in his playing of his instrument in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, they said, we found a young man, you know, a skillful musician. First thing it says was he was skilled. He could play that instrument with a rhythm, with a note, with a tune, with, you know, with expertise. And I just think that, um, I think that that's where we need. I think we need to come back to the, the importance of the pulpit. Peter stood up on the day of pulpit, the day of Pentecost, and it would gather around a pulpit. Thousands of people gathered around to hear Peter begin to preach the gospel. And uh, and he preached it first from heaven, and then and then it went into the world. I think today we're preaching from the world, trying to get into heaven. So I think we need to make sure that our our audience is first God, and then the people. Like Craig was saying, it exponential. So uh, the it two one book greatest book I've ever read. Sorry for my phone going off in the background there. Um, P. T. Forsyth, Positive Preaching in the Modern Mind. Positive Preaching in the Modern Mind. P. T. Forsyth on preaching and the importance of preaching. Good deal. Thank you, Pastor Joe. And then James, also anything right now you've uh, found, been reading uh, that is your it? Sure. Uh, best book I've read in the last two years. Um, it's a short, about 130 pages by a theologian who's at the University of Aberdeen right now. His name's John Webster. He wrote a book called Holiness. And for my money, 10 or $12 on Amazon, it's the best book you can get your hands on from a theologian who's writing now in a way that he deals with the holiness of the church, the holiness of Christians, and the holiness of God in about 120 pages, and it's fabulous. Um, as far as my it for self-promotion, um, again, Docent Research Group is uh, a great company. I've benefited much from working for them. And, you know, we, I know that Glenn Lucky, my boss, the owner of Docent, would be more than happy uh, to talk with any churches that are out there who may be interested in seeing what Docent can help them with and provide. And that's really what we're all about is figuring out the ways that we can, uh, in, in the same way that the deacons in the early church were taking responsibility for certain aspects of the ministry to enable the apostles to preach, Docent wants to do the same thing, to take some of the load off of preachers' plates and let them focus more on their sermons and provide them with information they need so that they can focus on preaching well. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And thank, thank you, James. Thank you, Pastor Joe, Pastor Josh, Pastor Nelson, for being a part. And also just want to say thank you for watching, uh, whether you're watching on the archive or watching now live. Uh, we appreciate it. And want to let you know a couple uh, upcoming ministry hangouts because we're here to be uh, like uh, everyone has talked about, to help you to learn, to help you get your skill set, to help you evaluate. We just want to have conversations that help push you along in that area. We're going to be on uh, May the 8th. We are talking about how to work with an assistant. We're going to have some of the uh, assistants of some of the top leaders uh, joining us as well as some leaders just to talk about what does that dynamic look like. How do you, uh, whether it's a volunteer in your church who's your assistant or whether you have an assistant who works for you, how do you best work with an assistant to uh, help you there? And then on May 22nd, we're going to be talking about leadership and systems and just 
how do you continue to lead and push the, the ball down the, the court? And, and also, what are the systems that you can get in place? And we're going to be having some of the great leadership minds uh, joining Pastor Greg, friends of his from out throughout the country that will be joining him there. So thank you for giving us an hour of your time. And uh, thank you to the panel as well for being uh, with us. And that's all for Ministry Hangouts uh, with Greg Surratt.